Hi everyone, my name is Natalie Ledwell and this is The Inspiration Show. Today on the show, uh, my special guest um, has one of the most inspirational stories that I have ever come across. Uh, she went through, um, I can't even describe what she went through, so I'm very grateful that we actually, she's here to be able to talk to us and to share her story and the lessons that she's learned from that. She has a new book out called Living Hope, uh, Steps to Leaving Suffering Behind. Um, so please welcome Lynn Cochran Murphy. How are you, Lynn? Hi, Natalie. I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I was actually just reading your story before I... Um, before we started this interview, and I, I, I am flabbergasted at, at the journey that you've come through. But for you to to be able to still be able to hear to spread your message, um, and I'm and I'm so curious as to find out how that happened for you, like what you had to tap into to be able to do that, which I'm sure you'll be able to share with us in a moment. So why don't we start first of all with your story and how you got to this point? Okay. Well, the story. Um, grab the book for a second here. The book. The book starts with the first chapter is about the house fire that I survived when I was two and a half. Um, I was the only survivor. My father carried me outside. I was found on the lawn in front of the house, and um, he went back into the house to save my sisters. He was unable to save them. They died in the house. He died in the hospital. Um, and of course, my mother, who was not home at the time, she was at my grandmother's house, um, was traumatized by you know the loss of of most of her family. So life was never quite the same for her. Of course, um, she remarried when I was four. They had my sister when I was seven, a wonderful person. And um, that stepfather died when I was nine in a logging accident. Um, that also was an emotionally abusive relationship, so began the process of um, family dysfunction and observing what was happening to her, and then um, part of dysfunction is enmeshment occurs, so um, that occurred between me and her. Then um, she remarried again when I was 10. She married a man with a serious drinking problem who was um, abusive, but physically, besides emotionally and verbally. Um, life was really tumultuous and, and unpleasant. I think one of the things I mentioned in the book is that we moved every year. After I was two and a half, we moved every year. I went to a, a different school every year until I was like a a senior. No, that was a, one year or two. Anyway, so yeah, that's what my life was like. Um, there was a lot of other stuff in there, a lot of other trauma um, that I do talk about in the book. Uh, I went on, let's say I got married when I was 17. I did that to get out of my parents' house. It was like enough crazy for me. Let me go do my own thing. And um, that was a very short-lived marriage, but, but useful. You know, it helped. And um, Somewhere along the line, what really made the difference for me, though, was this desire to know, why is life like this? Why is life so hard? Why is it easier for other people and not for me? So I started studying, and I would read psychology books when I was in high school. Um, I read spiritual materials like Alan Watts. Um, and when I was 18, I became a Buddhist, and I moved into the Buddhist chapter house and studied. I, I wanted to know, you know, these people have answers that are different than the ones I was raised with. I was raised Christian. Maybe their answers work. And 
that's where I began the study of karma and it really did make sense to me it made the world and the events in the world make sense to me um, it also was the beginning of the realization that you have to take responsibility for your own life and so that was um, an eye-opener but a process of what is possible I think what saved me from following my family's footsteps were a couple of things and one was that um, I have the trait called resilience and <clears throat> when I did my doctorate at the university I studied what is resilience so I'd know why am I why am I doing so well when you know you would think I wouldn't and um, one of the powerful factors was having a grandmother who was a huge supporter and a stable person that whether it's a grandmother or a coach or a minister or a teacher any anyone can take that role in your life and be that kind of influence she was that for me um, and I think the other major factor was having a belief in something greater than myself that could make a difference for me and so my spiritual journey began hmm. So it's interesting. There's a couple of things that are coming up for me, and I know that you said you, you. What helps you get through this is that you have resilience. So my question is, did you have resilience, or did you form resilience because of the because of the life that that um, you experienced? Well, that's that's a different take on it. I'm I don't know that I can answer that directly. Um, I think that there are other attributes that I have. I have resources and I'm willing to use them. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of determination and perseverance, which are, are traits that will carry you through. Mm -hmm. um, I have sufficient intelligence to, to study and, and make decisions and change. Um, and something that's not in the resilience research but is, is true of me is that when things get bad, when I get miserable, I take action. I don't stay in the misery. I don't drink myself to death. I take action. It's like, what would I recommend to someone else to do? And then that's what I do. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I, cause I, I, I mean, for me, I think a lot of people when they, when they're in a situation in life, especially when they're younger, um, you take on coping mechanisms to help you get through. Um, and I think maybe resilience could have been something like that for you. But so, and I think also, and and, and it's interesting because I don't know whether it's a personality thing or not. But sometimes we'll look at our parents and can't help but follow in their footsteps. And other times we look at our parents and go, "Well, there's an example of what I'm not going to do," <laughs> which is, you know, obviously, you know, the the road that you took. Um, and what's also very interesting because this is, you know. <clears throat> your spiritual journey that happened that started so young so you know for you to be able to to be able to uh, get into that information and then for it to open up something for you was obviously the path that you're meant to go down don't you think I do think I think that everything that happens is for a reason and I and I believe that about my life which is really a wonderful place to be because it's easier to go life is cruel, the world's a horrible place, and I can blame everybody else and be continue to be miserable. But I'm not willing to do that. Uh, I just continued my spiritual search. Uh, I, I no longer belong to a Buddhist sect. I do study Buddhism continuously, though, because it really satisfies me. Mm. Um, but I, I moved into, in my 20s, when I graduated college, into a Christian metaphysical commune in Oregon and really 
you know, we were like receiving the Holy Spirit and meditating and channeling. It was a very unique group, but I got exactly what I needed. And then um, once I left that, about a year later, I met my husband and um, got engaged. And we've been married 30, it'll be 32 years this summer. So I really believe that, that setting a foundation in a spiritual practice made the, a world of difference for me. And it's one of the things that I talk a lot about in the book. It doesn't have to be my spiritual practice. It doesn't have to be your parents' spiritual practice. Mm. You know, it's what works for you, what, what satisfies you and makes you feel like you're moving forward and like you have hope in your life. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about some of the steps to uh, leaving suffering behind because, I mean, obviously, and the thing is your story that you told in the beginning, there's a whole lot more to that story um, that, uh, that, you know, you didn't cover. So, you know, and, and what you did share was harrowing enough. Um, yeah. So tell me about some of the steps that you outline in the book. Well, I encourage people to question what you've been taught. Just because you were told something doesn't mean that it suits you as an adult and yep. it's a truth for you. Mm -hmm. um, I talk about seeking and looking at different paths, finding what works for you. So for me that included um, even taking a Kabbalah class. You know, I want to know what's out there. And again, most of what I find are the similarities in all the religions. Yeah. Um, then. There are a lot of personality tests and things that you can do that are useful. I used everything from um, Dan Millman's uh, The Life You Were Meant to Live and his life, uh, it's like a numerology. I used that. I used um, Myers-Briggs. I did, um, I recommend genograms. I recommend autobiography and journaling. Those are all some of the tools that are part of the steps that kind of like get you in touch with yourself, get you to be really honest with yourself, to see patterns, to see things you want to release. And then there's there's also the asking for help. What you know, if you need a therapist, get one. If you want an alternative healer, get one. So there are really quite a few steps. In fact, I created a class, a, a workshop, a three-day workshop called Seven Steps to Leaving Suffering Behind, where we take just um, a bunch of the different items in the in the book and work our way through them, but do it as a group with support. And yeah. uh, people really love that. Yeah. And I think what you've really tapped into is the acknowledgement that you are a spiritual being having a human experience. And even though this human experience is definitely not what you wanted or asked for by any means, um, you're able to, from a spiritual standpoint, be able to see what is unfolding and then, you know, take uh, take responsibility. Or not responsibility, but take, um, not even ownership, but I want to say that you're taking charge that you're not, you know, just sitting in, in in the in the suffering of it. That you're taking action steps to be able to rise above it, which is just amazing. For me, that's um, going from victimhood, the the thinking that I had when I was young, yeah. to I'm not a victim at all. I'm totally in cahoots with um, my creator, and we're working this out together. And yeah, the beginning was rough, but because of the law of cause and effect, because of karma. Um, it needed to be that way, and, and what a relief that that's done. Yeah. But 
now I have the gift of having all this strength and wisdom and tools and action steps that I can share with others that can make a difference. And that's why I encourage people to read the book, is, is they hear my story, and there are people that have had it not so bad, and people who have had it worse. Mm. Um, but the traits of uh, depression and PTSD, both of which I was diagnosed with at, at like 35 years ago, um, can really take you down. And I want people to have the support that's available, that we can we can move out of those states. They don't they don't experience depression anymore. Um, but the PTSD, something can trigger that now. I mean, just not often. But um, I was at a person's house recently, and she lit the gas jet on the fireplace, mm. and that noise that I, to my whole body was it was like a pain. From head to toe, and so I chose to talk about it, to express it, and it went away. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, I um I heard recently that about ninety percent of the population suffers from some form of PTSD. So if you've been in a car accident, if you've lost a loved one, um, if you you know are still affected by nine eleven, like there are so many things that happen in in our um, our lifetime now that we don't know how to process, you know, and um, and so we all suffer some form of PTSD in, in some form, which means that your book could help basically 90% of the population. Goodness gracious. Um, I also found in my research about PTSD that it occurs more often with um, for African Americans and for Hispanics, and that it is very likely if you were abused as a child, if you had a parent that was abused, then you're going to end up with PTSD. It affects women more than men. Um, it affects you. Or you're more likely to have it if the events happened when you were young. Mm -hmm. But as you said, it can be a car accident. It can be something where you're not at fault. It occurs, and people say, oh, well, that happens all the time. Well, what's happening inside of you is what yeah. counts, and getting help with that. Yeah, and we all have a story. Like, you know, there are some people that, that have a childhood story that is definitely not as severe as yours, but still for them, it still has an effect on them. So mm -hmm. it, it, there's no judgment on, you know, what the event was or, you know, comparing apples and oranges or whatever. But the thing is, if you are feeling like you are suffering or you're feeling like something's holding you back or that you have bouts of depression or that you're feeling low, then a book like this can really help you to move through that and give you the tools to do that. So, so uh, Lynn, do you, you have like a community as well that people can connect with each other? I have um, classes and I have workshops. I have two web pages and I see clients one-on-one. -on -one. For the people who take my classes, I also organize events so that we can get together and practice the um, alternative healing techniques together. Mm -hmm. So that's about where we're at with that. Awesome. So if people want to connect with you or get their hands on the book, how where can we send them to do that, Lynn? My webpage, well, the one for the book, is lynncockermurphy.com, and that Murphy has to have a hyphen in it. Right. So that's for the book, and you can order the book through the webpage. You can also read a chapter for free on the webpage, and there are some downloads and some newsletters and things like that that you can have for free and have the exercises that are in them. Uh, one of the exercises, the being versus doing, mm -hmm. is right out of the book. So there's some freebies there. If you go to my personal or personal business website, it's desertjewel.org. 
And that one has um, the classes that I offer. I teach Theta Healing. I teach Access Bars. I teach um, Seven Steps on Leaving Suffering Behind based on the book. Yeah. And, um, and then I also do, I work with people doing healing work, uh, you know, physical, spiritual, emotional, not, not just physical. Um, I'm a licensed substance abuse counselor. I use my counseling skills also. And um, I also am an intuitive, and I use those skills to help my clients too. Awesome. Well, uh, I think you are amazing, Lynn, and I'm so grateful that we got to chat today. Uh, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your message um, with uh, with our community. Thank you, Natalie. I appreciate it. It was a good conversation. Awesome. So, guys, if you want to connect with Lynn and get your hands on the book, if you click on the banner to the side if you're watching this online or the banner underneath if you're watching it on the app, um, you can go straight through to Lynn's website from there. Uh, now, I encourage you to share this video, and you can do that by clicking the Facebook and the Twitter share buttons on this page. And make sure you leave your email if you haven't done so already so we can send you the Manifesting with a Master's video e-course. So until next time, remember to live large, choose courageously, and love without limits. We'll see you soon.